Are you ready for the end of the world? This is Your Community Spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Let's bring back the circle again. The circle of family, circle of friends, the circle of being. Wake up and be healthy, and therefore wealthy, to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. This is your community spirit coming at you live, local, and in your face here on WDBX. Uh, at least my portion of it is local, but we do have a guest here on the phone. Can, I, you, can you hear us? I can very well. Good. We can hear you as well as the technology will allow. <laughs> I, can, <laughs> I can tell you on the phone, but we can hear you. All right. So I was looking over all the news, and we've got a lot of bad news, but we probably should start a lot of fracking bad news. Mm -hmm. And I'm not cussing. <laughs> but um, we probably should start with the good news and ease people into the bad news, right? Yeah, we could start with something good here. There, were, there was a phenomenal um, frack-free set. Like, and lots, I'd say, what do you think, it was a couple hundred people at least? Yeah, a couple hundred. It was hard to count them all because they sort of, you know, it, it had an indoor and outdoor portion, and they were coming and going as the night went. But, yeah, it was definitely a couple hundred. It right. was very impressive. And, I mean, it was a couple hundred people not just coming out to party, but to share knowledge and information and donate money and basically realize the power of the people, right? Yeah. So. And there was a lot of enthusiasm there. You know, like, I'm sure there were some people who just showed up because they heard there was some cool music, but they wanted, they would talk about the issues and people would cheer and support the activists and they would, you know, boo the fracking. And there was a little puppet show at the beginning that helped set the context of the issue, that it was really a interesting, beautiful puppet show. Like, what what was the primary purpose of the the frat free fest? Well, they wanted to raise awareness about the issue, to let people know about it if they didn't know, and to prepare for doing uh, nonviolent civil disobedience if fracking does in fact come to Southern Illinois. So the direct action campaign was launched, and you know there were speakers between the different bands, and I mean. The portrayal of the industry coming to the area that was meant to be frightening was actually so effective that it was, it actually sent a child running away in terror screaming, don't let them get me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, I think what was rare about this was the cross section of people. Yeah. I mean, you know, when there's rallies and there's protests, you know, it seems like there's kind of one type of people that come out and this right here was a very broad section of southern Illinois. Yeah. Well, there's a lot, of, a lot of different people in southern Illinois who know that this issue may affect their water, may affect their health, may affect seismic activity in southern Illinois. Uh, a lot of concerns. That's, I suppose, one of the upsides of fracking is there's so many things to fight about it. <laughs> you know, if, if someone is like, oh, I'm not too concerned about my water, but I don't want earthquakes to happen here, you know. <laughs> They've got lots of reasons to consider the the researched and documented impacts of fracking. 
Now, um, in Canada, four police cars actually exploded as fracking protests turned violent. Now, going across the blogosphere and the internet, they're saying that it was actually a paid person that, um, I don't know how true this is, because it's the internet, <laughs> that, um, what do you call it, a paid informant actually lit the, the cars on fire to make it so that the police could violently then squash the protesters. Yeah. I, I haven't so. seen much video yet, so it's hard to be sure exactly what happened, but they they were protesting up in New Brunswick, and from from most of what I've read, they were being very, the protesters themselves were being nonviolent. They had a, a blockade there in order to protest against the fracking exploration in the area. But then... Then things got crazy, and it was apparently because of the police response, according to most of the reports I read, that the police were the ones who escalated it. And it may have even been a provocateur who set the cars on fire, from now what we hear. Now, these are the protesters here were um, Native Americans. In Canada, they call them First Nation people. Yeah. And so they were actually um, a peaceful protest by the First Nation. Um, let's see if I can pronounce Esli Pogtok McQuack in New Brunswick against the shale gas project, you know, ended up spinning violently out of control after the Royal Mounted Police advanced on the anti-fracking protest. Demonstrators clashed with police. Chemical agents were deployed and at least a half a dozen police vehicles were destroyed by Molotov cocktails. And I've, again, I've seen multiple um, reports that it was one individual that lit all those cars on fire and that he uh, was not directly um, linked to the protesters. Yeah. So I don't know how true that is. Um, basically, I mean, the police were aggressive, people were aggressive, people freaked out. Um, but there's like tons and tons of photos on the internet, including photos of the burning vehicles, uh, numerous images of military snipers and exploding trucks. And then there was also a rather uh, serene photograph of a woman on her knees in front of 20 plus police officers, and she's holding a single feather in the air, you know, Native American power feather. So, um, now, there was police dogs, tasers, and um, one First Nation chief said that weapons were firing less than lethal rubber bullets. Yeah. So, now, I mean, the thing is, is these protests have been continuous for the last few months. So I guess they've been slowly, slowly escalating. Yeah. So. Well, on the, the escalation from the police came in response to a... Uh, a a injunction to end the protest. But so there I thought it was pretty interesting on October first that the chief um, actually delivered an eviction notice to the company, the oil and gas company. Yeah. You know, to stop them from you know, well tell them to leave their property. So that was pretty interesting. So it's been an ongoing um, protest 
you know, not allowing the fracking company to bring their their equipment through the perforation property, and then telling them to, you know, please leave our property because we do not want it polluted. Yeah. So. People standing up to the fracking industry. So let's see. We'll definitely keep our eyes on that story and share any more news we get. In the meantime, we've got other fracking-related news. Colorado frackers pump out cash to ward off ballot initiatives. Flush with cash, the fracking industry is literally throwing bills around as it battles anti-fracking groups that are pushing suspensions and outright bans of the practice in four Colorado cities. Anti-fracking ballot measures have been put forth by residents of Fort Collins, Boulder, Lafayette, and Broomfield. Similar initiatives are planned in Greeley and Loveland, and some activists are pushing for a statewide initiative. The opponents of fracking have raised about $16,000 in total for their fights for the votes in these four cities, the Denver Post reports. That's not bad for a grassroots effort, but it pales in comparison with the fundraising by the pro-fracking sector. Surprise, surprise. So they have, the frackers have raised $606,205. And 99.7% of that came from the Colorado Oil and Gas Association. <laughs> so the, the, the anti-fracking people are going, you know, door-to-door, -door, getting donations from actual human beings, individuals. And 99.7% of the support for fracking in this Colorado Ballot Initiative struggle is coming from the industry. Well, it'll be amazing if, you know, the, they're for fracking, they're spending, well, I mean, that's just what's reported, $600,000. Yeah, that's what's on the books. They may be spending more. <laughs> and then the opponents of fracking that on the books have managed to raise $16,000. So if it does get stopped, it will literally be the power of the people, not money. Yeah, and I think that'd be great if, you know, the... Fracking industry spends 40 to 1 on, on propaganda and then still loses the struggle. It's sure that there may, in fact, still be some vestiges of democracy here in the United States. So there's anti-fracking ballot measures in a bunch of towns in Colorado, and some activists are pushing for a statewide initiative. Mm -hmm. So, in other wonderful news, <laughs> tar sand waste going to fuel dirty power plants in China. As cheap tar sands oil flows through America's refineries, the dusty byproducts known as petroleum coke or pet coke, hey, would you like some pet coke? <laughs> is piling up throughout the country. The stuff is too nasty to burn in the U.S. power plants, so oil companies are doing the next best thing, shipping it to China where somebody else can burn it. Pet coke has been heaping up along the Calumet River in Chicago. And the problem will likely get worse since BP turns its, once BP turns its lighting refinery into one of the world's biggest tar sands processors. Over in Michigan, Detroit's mayor and other lawmakers recently fought for months before ridding their riverfront of mounds of Petco that a Cooch uh, Brothers, I always call them Cooch Brothers, Cooch Brothers. Cooch Brothers, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The Coke industry subsidy subsidiary has stockpiled there. So, I mean, what, what, 
what's the issue with Coke, Pet Coke? Well, it's, I mean, the U.S. EPA will not issue new Pet Coke burning licenses. It's just too dirty. Yeah. It's that simple. Some of it has been sent back to Canada to be burned in power plants there. And now the Wall Street Journal reports that China's hunger for the dirty fuel is surging. So, it's just basically, well, a big part of it is it's just really cheap. Yeah. See, they're trying to be environmental. They don't want to let it go to waste, so they had to sell it to China. Right. I mean, it, it's not really the fact that it's dirty that anybody wants it. It's the fact that it's cheap. Yeah, it's cheap. So. And, and then because it's cheap, they burn it, and then it burns, and it's really dirty. I mean, pet coke is literally dirtier than coal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's really strange to think that we would actually prefer them to burn coal. It's just like, yeah. it's <laughs> That's how dirty this stuff is. It's burning coal is, is somewhat cleaner. <laughs> to the extent you can use the word clean and coal in the same sentence. Bit of an oxymoron. Well, so what effects is all of this having on the planet? Well, other than the fact that my friend who's about to visit China is going to get a lungful of that stuff, it's affecting the climate. Dramatic chart reveals climate change's effects on the oceans. Now, we still haven't developed that technology to beam you this image through the radio waves, but there is an image of the effects that climate change is having on the oceans. People often think of the air. You know, it's warming up the air. That's the effect of climate change. But our civilization is also having an effect on the oceans. It's raising water temperatures, lowering pH levels, reducing oxygen availability, and driving down the size of wildlife populations the oceans can sustain. A study published Tuesday in the journal PLOS Biology painstakingly chronicles many of the consequences of marine changes that researchers describe as unprecedented during the last 20 million years. The results indicate that the entire world's ocean surface will be simultaneously impacted by varying intensities of warming, acidification, oxygen depletion, or shortfalls in productivity. Only a very small fraction of the oceans, mostly in polar regions, will face the opposing effects. Social ramifications are also likely to be massive and challenging, as some 470 to 870 million people who can least afford dramatic changes to their livelihoods live in areas where ocean goods and services could be compromised by the substantial changes in ocean biogeochemistry. So that, that figure of, uh, let's see, was that, I don't think this was in the summary, but 0.1% changing the pH of the entire ocean. Uh, they think we've already changed that. Just this thought, the ocean is so big, I've been in the ocean. It's massive. It, it just goes on forever and ever. But we've changed it already, and our actions are continuing to change it. Going back to fracking, um, where can people find out more information about fracking in our area? Like, yeah. What was the website? Don't Frack Illinois? Yeah, don't frack your Illinois.net. So, well, there's tons and tons of information on that website and educational. And it is an issue because people are already uh, selling their rights to their property, and then someone can come in and, well, drill it all up. So. Mess it all up. Yeah. 
Did you know that you could sue the EPA to make them do their job? Green sued the EPA over Pacific Northwest increasingly acid waters. Maybe that's why the Northwest is so weird. They're drinking a lot of acid water. That was a joke. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just like, carbon emissions are turning seawater acidic, and environmentalists say that's a violation of the Clean Water Act. Wait a second. There's an act that keeps the water clean and keeps <laughs> burning it? Hmm. This is interesting to me. Yeah. The Center for Biological Diversity filed a lawsuit Wednesday against the EPA, that's the Environmental Protection Agency. There's an agency that protects the environment. Well, Ooh. maybe. I heard they're taking a nap for a couple weeks there, but they may exist. <laughs> so the Center for Biological Diversity is challenging the EPA, basically saying that the acidic water off of Oregon and Washington actually meets federal water quality standards. Perhaps the core of the carbon dioxide that we pump into the air mixes into the sea, where it reacts with water to produce bicarbonate. Rising ocean acidity has hit the Pacific Northwest hard, and local shellfish hatcheries have been in crisis since 2005. So the Center for Biological Diversity is arguing in federal court that the acidic waters of Oregon and Washington should be defined by the EPA as impaired. And if that were to happen, new pollution control measures may be required to repair the water quality potentially prompting greater government urgency in clamping down on greenhouse gas emissions. Yeah. That's really interesting. You know, they're basically, since we're not already taking enough action on climate change, what they're having to do is look at all of the individual effects and say, hey, this is affecting the water. It's acidifying the entire ocean. We should act on this. And they're saying, hey, this is affecting the air. We should act on this. They have to go step by step and take the EPA kicking and screaming towards the actions on on climate change. All right. Can we get to some fun stuff? Yeah, this is a really fun story. You 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 could be able to charge your electric car by just by parking it over a manhole. Not your manhole, but a manhole. <laughs> Currently manhole covers keep your sworn enemies from falling into the sewer where they belong. Ah dang it. And perpetuate Male-centric language, double manhole bangage. Soon they'll serve a less annoying purpose, wirelessly charging your electric car. At least, if ever, powers pilot program in New York City goes right off. According to Gizmodo, here's how it'll work. You'll be able to use an app to find an open spot, a big like city bike app, then roll up and park above one of those covers. The app's integrated payment system will let you track and pay for the amount of energy you're sucking up from the energy pad below. Mm -hmm. Now, this type of induction charging is very, very energy intensive. It wastes a lot. This is my, you know, point of view. Mm -hmm. And um, it would be convenient to just do that, just, you know, park over it, but it wouldn't be energy efficient. Yeah, well, the, the full version of the article, I don't remember what they mentioned. They said it's more energy efficient than 
some forms of energy induction. But it is still probably not as energy efficient as just plugging something in. I mean, they're starting to do that with um, cell phones and gizmos now, where you just set it on a, you know, induction pad. Yeah. But it's like using triple the energy. Yeah. If you, instead of just plugging it in, and so it's more convenient to just set your phone on a pad and it charges it. But the whole point of, and from my point of view, of all these small gadgets is they use a lot less energy. Mm. Now we're talking about using more energy for convenience. Okay. We'll see how it works. <laughs> yeah. Man, today is World Menopause Day. Oh. A whole day for that, huh? Oh, yeah. Well, Saturday is Evaluate Your Life Day. So, I don't know. But it's also Hagfish Day, so... Take your choice on that one. <laughs> Let's see what else we've got coming up. We've got coming up on Sunday, Get Smart About Credit Day. And one way to get smart about it is not rack up a bunch of credit card bills. <laughs> yeah. It's also oh. Inter International Credit Union Day. So if you do enter into the whole uh, the whole tricky, shady world of credits, then you may as well do it with the credit union because they, they're owned by the people who use it then. Monday is National Mammography Day. And Tuesday is International Stuttering Awareness Day. I think I pretty much got rid of my stutters, except when I say crack free sex. Hey, I did all right on that one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Make, make a difference day is on Tuesday. So go to don'tfractureillinois.net and learn more about Fracturing. Yes, and hopefully we can make a difference every day, but if we've forgotten the past 364 days, then on Tuesday we can make a difference. It's also the birthday of Timothy Leary. Maybe that's why it's Make a Difference Day. Wednesday is Mother-in-Law Day and National Mole Day. Hey, you skipped on Tuesday. It's the anniversary of the World's End Day. Hmm. That makes no sense to me. Yeah, I don't know. Did, did the world end on the 22nd of October? Maybe that was one of those end times predictions that didn't come true. But it's the anniversary of the end day. <laughs> yeah. You never thought that one would come, did you? <laughs> so, Thursday is United Nations Day and UN World Development Information Day. Mm -hmm. All right. We're going to have to crank through some happening. Yes, there's a lot happening coming up. Especially because of this first one. We have the 11 Days for Peace. We've mentioned it before, but now the 11 Days for Peace are upon us. They are from October 18th to 28th, right here in Carbondale. During the 11 Days for Peace, multiple community events will explore the theme of peace. It's run by Nonviolent non Carbondale, which is a coalition that organizes and supports activities that foster nonviolent and compassionate interactions. If you go to nonviolentcarbondale.org, there's a whole list of all of the events. There's like something like 60, 70 events, so even if we spent the whole show on this, we wouldn't be able to cover all of the amazing things going on. But we'll mention a few of them here, because we'd like to be sure that you know about what's going on in the community. There's also this publication put out by Nonviolent Carbondale called Carbondale's Emerging Culture of Peace. They got a lot of articles and poetry and such from local 
authors and activists. And it's available on this week's Carbondale Times. It's at the Carbondale Public Library. And it's at many, many peace-loving locations throughout Carbondale. More information, nonviolentcarbondale.org. Yes. Exciting times for peace. Speaking of peace, 30 years of the Peace Coalition of Southern Illinois, 1983 to 2013. History in flyers and notices today at the Dyer House Interface Center through the weekend. As part of 11 Days for Peace, the Peace Coalition will be having a display of flyers and notices throughout the years on the walls of the Dye House. This display will be viewed during Dye House's office hours of 12 to 5 or during other events during the 11 Days of Peace. Exciting to see what the Peace Coalition's been up to for the past 30 years. They've been very dedicated. In other peace-related news, we have the Dama Brothers. This is a film showing coming up tonight at 5.30 p.m. at the Long Branch Coffee House, 100 East Jackson in Carbondale. The Dama Brothers tells a dramatic story of human potential and transformation. It closely follows and documents the stories of a group of prisoners as they enter into a meditation program. And they, they basically they transform a prison gym into a medis- meditation space. The prison gyms, as you may know, are frequent sites of battles among inmates, but they change it into a monastery, a separate restricted place where the inmate students can eat, sleep, and meditate in seclusion from the general population. So that's coming up tonight, 5.30, at the Long Branch Coffee House. At Guy House Interface Center, open mic night tonight at 7 p.m. Express yourself in a comfortable, coffee-out-style environment. Everyone's welcome, everyone's invited. Poets, musicians, storytellers, dancers, and more. You can perform music solo or bring your band. It's a nice time to get into rehearsal time in front of uh, appreciative audiences. All ages, kid-friendly, tonight, 7 p.m. at the Guy House Interface Center. All right, coming up this weekend, we have two farmer's markets here in Carbondale. The first one is from 8 a.m. to noon at the West Town Mall parking lot on the west side of Carbondale. The second one is on the east side of Carbondale at, at the Carbondale Community High School from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. We're very fortunate here to have two farmer's markets with all sorts of local goodies. On Monday, Talking Circle, Native American Church at 5.30 p.m. at the Guy House Interface Center. Talking Circle includes songs, specific teachings from their traditions, open-ended discussions. They want each person to leave with a teaching, a medicine to help through challenges of life. Talking Circle, Native American Church on Monday. Also on Monday, there's going to be a vegan potluck on Monday at 6.30 p.m. at Guy House Interfaith Center. They'll be having a vegan potluck and discussing plans for the vegetarian Thanksgiving coming up in November. On Tuesday, a short history of the Peace Coalition of Southern Illinois, 1983 to 2013. Tuesday at 6 p.m., also at the Guy House Interface Center, this event will feature a screening of a DVD documentary with pictures and footage of Peace Coalition activities over the last 30 years. The DVD was compiled and edited by Mike Cobell, retired assistant professor, SIU Department of Cinnamon Photography. There will be a reception and discussion following screening. 
That's Tuesday, 6 p.m. at Sky House. Okay, and here are a couple that we can talk about a little bit more as they approach, but we'll mention them today. Walking together in circles of peace. Uh, let's see. Yeah, that's Walking Together in Circles, not this Saturday, but next Saturday at the 11th Peace Garden. They're going to have signs from the 11 years of continuous peace vigils, and they're going to do a 11th walk from 3.15 to 5 p.m. on the 26th. Mark your calendar, not this Saturday, but next Saturday, October 26th, for Breaking the Surface, a community paddling event at Little Grassy Lake. If I remember right, this was the way to, yeah, they're trying to establish a record um, of how many people are paddling and then also, of course, just show that paddling sports as a fun, healthy activity in Southern Illinois. So, breaking the surface. Yes, and then one last one, Community Racial Justice Coalition. They're meeting once a month now, and the next meeting is on Thursday, November 7th, at 7 p.m. at Church of the Good Shepherd, United Church of Christ, 515 South Orchard in Carbondale. All right, well, this has been another informative and exciting episode of Your Community Spirit. So many things happening, especially in relation to peace. I guess we'll see you again on the radio next week. Yes, we'll see you on the radio next week. In the meantime, we hope you enjoy all those community happenings. And we often read a lot of dire news here, but there's plenty we can do locally to do something about it. And if you missed any of the happenings, they can be emailed to you. Info at yourcommunityspirit.org is our email. Send us an email and we'll send you the newsletter and happenings. Yes. In the meantime, we will see you here next week on the radio.